we see a large participation of women protesters in uh, the region, uh, whether it's in Beirut or in Algeria or in Sudan or in Iraq. And that is definitely um, something that we must highlight, we must uh, underscore, and it is definitely a very special moment for me personally and I think for the region because women are carving their uh, place in society, in, in political uh, change, and that is definitely something unique. Hello, I'm Karma Ekmekci. I'm the founder of Diplomen and the international affairs advisor to Prime Minister Saad Hariri. Women have not uh, been part of the decision-making process um, of the country, country's different public policies that led us to this moment. Mm -hmm. And they are definitely directly the, 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 the marginalized part of society that's affected mostly by it. Mm. Uh, you know, whether it is the health policies or the security policies or the political, you know, um, decision-makers who have been running the country for the past 30 years. Yeah. So from that perspective, women feel like you've created this mess, okay, we've been mostly affected by it, and mm. we're here to tell you it's enough. You know, And so there is that angle of women taking responsibility and saying men created this mess, mm. and we're going to try to fix it. There is that simplified, you know, mm. I'm trying to simplify it as much sure. as possible. I don't want to get into the statistics of how much if women are involved in the decision making and, and, and conflict resolution, yeah. then peace is more sustainable. We have all that literature and mm. we have mm -hmm. all that knowledge. But from a very basic point of view, a yeah. mother and myself being a mother, yeah. um, if I just wear my Lebanese citizen hat, I feel like... I am more stressed right now about my children's future, about their health care, about their well-being, about, yeah. you know, directly being affected. Because mm. women um, are, are definitely the, the, the tranche, the, the, the group in society that are uh, mostly affected by conflicts or by instability. Why is it that it's happening at the end of 2019, not earlier? Why do you think our women are, in a way, uh, standing up more today than before. Are there other conditions that have allowed this? Definitely. I mean, mm -hmm. in the past 10 years, I would say, women have been trending in the past, even less, even past what does eight, that mean? eight years. What do you mean by so that? like, hashtag Me Too, hashtag Women Empowerment, hashtag, you know, um, uh, gender equality. Mm -hmm. You have the Sustainable Development Goals that call for gender equality. These are buzzwords that have Increase. We've we've started to hear these more and more in mm, the past mm. years. In, in Lebanon. In or, Lebanon yeah. and across the world. Across the, I mean, yeah. we we sometimes feel in Lebanon. Usually, we think we're in the center of the universe and, the, and everything revolves around us, and we think that these problems are unique to us. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you a small story that happened with me personally. I was. Uh, accompanying the Prime Minister to the World Economic Forum in Davos it was mm. a couple of years ago. And um, if, if anyone's been to Davos, they know how stressful meetings are there because you're running from one bilateral meeting to the other. You know, in the span of three seconds, you have to go from one meeting room to the other meeting room. And 
it's kind of you know back to back, and your bladder starts acting up, and you really need to use the, the restroom. I wasn't and expecting so, the conversation. Well, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I mean it's a, it's a, it's sure. a reality. Yeah. And and I really needed to use the restroom, uh-huh. and it was I couldn't. My brain wasn't functioning anymore. Like I really needed to yeah. go to the restroom, and so I left the delegation. So I left the prime minister, and I ran to the restroom, and the queue was all the way out to the, you know, like meters away. And I'm thinking, I'm like, how am I going to make it, how am I even going to find my delegation? Because it's right. this big, you know, center and I'm probably going to lose them. Mm. And, uh, and so, in, so I stood in line, right? And right in front of me, there was Christine Lagarde, who is this amazing diplomat. She was the director, uh, managing director of the IMF and she's now the head of the, the European Central Bank. Sure. And she's um, in line for the bathroom. She's too. in line for the bathroom, and we just had finished a meeting with her. Yeah. So I was right, standing right behind her, and I, you know, I, I looked at her and I spoke to her because we were just together in a meeting, sure. and I rolled my eyes and I said, "Oh my God! Like this line is so long." And she looks at me and she says, "You know, you should be happy. Twenty years ago at the World Economic Forum, there were no." ladies lines in the, at the ladies restroom there were no lines at the, at the ladies restroom right, right. and I stood there and I'm like she's right you know she just put things into perspective right that second and I was like she's right you know we didn't even have lines at the ladies room now you have all these women attending the World Economic Forum something has changed there's that you know and it's not local it's global right right, right. the um, challenges that women face in Lebanon are also challenges faced by women in France, there are challenges faced by women in... I mean, some countries, of course, are more advanced than others, but there's definitely a global atmosphere or environment that has changed, that has become more conducive to women uh, becoming more vocal, more mm-hmm. active, and more uh, forthcoming. Would, can you give a more Lebanese example? Because I like that. That's a, clearly a... That's a moment that the IMF director is reflecting, and she's saying that this is an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. More women are attending mm-hmm. this meeting. Look at what we've done. Let's say in the Lebanese sphere. Mm-hmm. Can you point to a similar type of example where you saw the conditions forming for Lebanese to be front and center to a moment like this one here? And it could be something simple, just from your own experience. Do you sense that there's more political involvement? There's more economic involvement? Or is there even just that women here are looking abroad and feeling like they deserve more? Listen, I think that there is a lot of political window dressing mm. about having women involved. Uh, some You mean like in a superficial way? Yes, like, yeah, like it's yeah. more... I mean, there are some political leaders who are genuinely for including more women in their political parties or right. having giving women more space uh, to be in higher decision-making positions. Right. We live in a patriarchal society, okay? And what's worse is that that patriarchal mindset is more enrooted in women than are in men. Mm. And I'll give you mm. an example. Mm. A few years ago, okay, when I used to introduce myself, right, Hi, I'm Carmack McGee. I work for, you know, back then I'm the head of the International Affairs Unit for, for Prime Minister Heidi. So you know what? We need to grant uh, the right for women to pass the, the nationality to their children. 
Yeah, of course, but frankly, I don't deal with these issues. And this is me introducing myself to women, and women in their minds... Well, this is a conversation among women. No, it's a conversation. I'm introducing myself to a woman. Yeah, right. But her immediate perception of me is that if I work yes. with a politician, mm-hmm. I work on women's issues. I see, I work I on right. gender and on, on reproductive health, mm-hmm. or I work mm-hmm. on sexual violence, or I work for in purely, you know, they cannot perceive that a woman deals with, like, political... Right. Files. Yeah. And that's a woman reacting that way. That's interesting. So even for yeah. a woman, you know, but now a few years down the road, I feel that's slowly changing. So mm-hmm. you asked mm-hmm. for a personal mm. example. That's for me is something that, you know, a few years ago I used to give that example very often. I used to feel offended. A lot of times I have very candid and frank discussions with women. They're like, you know, we can't we don't have enough um, women in politics. Yeah. I say granted. But to be in politics, you cannot expect the dynamics of politics changing to satisfy your own timetable. For instance, mm. being in politics is not a nine-to-five job, okay? And if you're searching for that, you can make sure that that's not going to happen. You won't have weekends. You won't have control over your time. Right. You will not know if you're going to see your children at three, four days at a time. Right. So being in politics yeah. or, or being in um, in, in, in the political sphere, yeah. okay, because when you say being in politics, they immediately assume you're either a member of parliament or a minister. Right, For me, right. it's much broader than that, right? Sure. And it's, it's a, a big sacrifice. Unless you, you have a, a support system, unless you have a, a partner that is extremely understanding <laughs> that you may be sitting in meetings at midnight with a or, bunch or, of or old men. Maybe a partner who's right? himself involved in politics. Oh, exactly. But you know, it's very hard <laughs> yeah. for people to internalize that. Sure, and sure, so, sure. Um, but I feel like that's slowly changing. I feel like uh, women are acknowledging that these things uh, take sacrifices. And I'll tell you something, you know, and I'll speak to you from where I sit and the work that I do, which sure. is peace building, mediation, yeah. uh, you know, a conflict resolution. And for me, you know, um, I say we've tried men for the past 70 years in the region. The result is there for everyone to see. I'm not saying women are going to do a better job. I'm mm. saying let's mm. test it. Let's test women. Mm. Let's see if women will do a better job. And so that's slowly starting to sink in right. in, in people's minds. At the beginning, I like that you used the word trending. Yeah, and that shows definitely yeah. trending. So for, for me, as somebody who's learning now how Instagram works and all that, <laughs> um, I think the average person who realizes that they're disadvantaged um, they're in an economy that may not cater to all its citizens. They're in a, a political uh, situation that is in itself difficult to mm-hmm. navigate. And they deal with corruption and all the issues that anyone else could deal with, but they feel like it's more acute at home. I think there's a way of sharing pain online mm-hmm. and relay, relaying that pain that allows these groups to emerge. And I want to focus in on one particular example and get your opinion. I think it was the second or third day of the protests. The first weekend, you have what you described, which is which is correct, you have a a female minister of interior, and that in itself is an accomplishment, a big accomplishment, mm-hmm. not just for Lebanon, Definitely. but for the region. And then on the street, you have a woman kickboxing a security guard. Mm-hmm. Now, both are symbolic, but 
I'm leaning more to the girl on the street, kickboxing the security guard, as a moment of woman's empowerment. And I'll say this carefully. It's not because she's using violence, not that. It's that everyone was able to experience it together. We were all sharing that photo online. It became, I don't know if you call it a meme, but that kind of, it was a, it was something that all of us felt together at once, and we saw a woman fighting back. And I somehow think that that has, that is happening more today because people know that they can, and they've seen it done abroad, they, they know that it's available abroad, and they want to do it here. And, and, and in other words, social media, mm -hmm. I think, is part of the story in terms of just expressing these voices. And I don't know if that, that resonates with you. Of course, I mean, that is a particular example. And at the same time, we, had, we were seeing uh, protests happening in Chile, in, ha yes. in Haiti, in, in Hong Kong, in, in, Hong yeah. Kong, in Iraq. So yeah. definitely there's that sort of like, you know, uh, online sorority, you know, yeah. you feel like, you know, you're, you're backed by someone because someone in Hong Kong is doing absolutely, the same thing. So absolutely. I definitely see that. Yeah. Um, it's just, uh, I feel like, that is a very momentary mm. moment, like a very momentary um, uh, perception or value mm. that you mm. can maintain. Mm -hmm. Because then you're going to go home and that person in Chile is not going to be with you taking care of you, right? right. So right. you can argue that that's a, an online sorority, which is yeah. wonderful. And yeah, yeah. what you're just describing is actually the reason why I started Diplomen. And everyone asks me, like, what is Diplomen? Like, how can we sign up? Where can we become members, you know? And I told them, Diplomen is not an association or a building or somewhere where I have to baptize you as a Diplomen and give you <laughs> membership. You can become a Diplomen just by, you know, working in the field of peace building, mediation, even if you're a journalist covering, like, right. working for peace rather than just fueling conflict like yeah. many do here in yeah. Lebanon, you know, you're by definition a Diplomen. And I was very inspired by a book I read called New Power. Uh, and I highly recommend uh, the listeners to read mm. that book mm. uh, because someone uh, recommended it to me. Uh, Ambassador Tom Fletcher actually recommended that I read that. And I've been so inspired by mm. that book mm -hmm. because basically what it says is that, you know, power is evolving. You have old power, right. which basically is like currency where yeah. you get it, you keep it to yourself, you get a chair, you sit on it, you keep it to yourself, mm. and you want to monopolize that power. Right. Whereas new power is like a currency, if you have a, uh, like a current. If you have power, like mm. if I have a voice on social media, mm. because mm. you know I have a lot of followers, okay, right. then I want to share that power. Yes. It's like the Me Too. The Me Too well, campaign is, a, is an example of new power. I was gonna, that Giving was a, Tuesday yeah. is an yeah. example of new, so that's what I'm trying to create right. with the poem. But I wasn't actually, that was the example I was gonna use for uh, what, uh, what's happening at least predominantly in the, in the US, US at the moment, right? right? That, that's a, that is a, it is to a degree a woman's issue, but it's all encompassing. Of course. And I don't know if that is the same kind of story happening here. And I, I, I know that there's no direct link between Me Too and women protesting in Beirut. But I do sense that women and men, everyone is able to engage more through social media. Yes, of course. And I Me mean, Too that's is granted. by default a social media phenomenon. I mean, I don't think Me Too would have been possible through traditional media. Let me tell you something. And uh, again, I feel like I, a lot of discussions have, mm. you know, um, were born 
during this uprising in Lebanon and uh, spoke a lot with my friends and who most of them are on the streets, mm. you know. And uh, social media is a great tool, but social media activism has its limits. Okay. Right? Yeah. And you can be a, an activist on social media yeah. to a certain degree. Sure. But then, you know, that, that stops, you know. Like, a lot of people just go down to the protest, take a quick photo, post it online and they're on their feed, and then they go have lunch at a restaurant. Are you talking about yourself? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, but, uh, but, I mean, you know that that exists, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot yeah. of people do that. And so for I, me, I would argue maybe a, maybe a, a, a big big number. It's not just a small number. Right. I think. And I'm not yeah. criticizing that. Sure, or I'm sure. not. I'm not yeah. trying to be. You know. I'm not shaming. I'm yeah. just saying that social media activism mm. has its ceiling. It yeah. has its limits. Right. And what I would like to see is uh, that being translated to something more uh, substantial. Now, can I get your view on that? Because mm -hmm. that's a common theme of all that's been happening. And it's not just protesting or, or social media, it's even trying to get out of this moment to a better place. Of course. What are the substantial ways of doing that? And I, I know that everyone has an opinion here on what's the right way forward, mm -hmm. but from your view, somebody who works in mediation and diplomacy, uh, do you sense that conflict resolution is part of the story here? Let me tell you. First, first, I want to highlight a point that even if you go to the most quote-unquote in people's minds advanced countries in the world, you know, there are political parties. Political parties are mm -hmm. not going to go away mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. anytime soon. Mm -hmm. They will. They will start evolving like yeah. we saw in France, for instance. You have a president emerging from a non-traditional political party in, in Italy. Yeah. It, it exists, but political parties in France still have leverage on how things are moving forward in the country in terms of policy. For instance, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. the, the socialists, the Républicains, they still mm -hmm. have their say. It's not that they disappeared and then... So one thing that I, from my experience in, in politics for mm -hmm. the past 15 years, this job and UN and, and all and whatnot, is that the, as much as there is this hatred and people yeah. despise the political establishment, yeah. The political establishment is not going to disappear, or these political parties are not going to disappear unless uh, if there are protests for 95 days. And once that is acknowledged, there needs to start a process of dialogue. And I know that protesters and demonstrators are very careful not to negotiate or be co-opted, and I fully agree and mm, see they have mm, a point. Yeah. But dialogue is different than negotiations. They're two different things. Okay, and so there that, needs to be... Yeah, but let me... I'm going to interrupt you just for a second okay. here. Dialogue, you mean a meeting on, from not both necessarily, sides? Not no. necessarily. Not okay. necessarily. But there needs to be... First, there, there are two sides that are in denial. There's the political establishment that thinks, okay, these people are going to go away. You know, it's just a few few hundreds of people or it's just a quick phenomenon and, and they're going to you know disappear one morning when we wake up which is not going to happen mm -hmm. all right and I wish I hope that, that will not happen because I see for the first time and that goes back to your first question you know uh, what's special about this moment right. and what's special about this moment is now you have this new force that is yeah. 
you know, the eyes and ears that are holding people in the, in the political sphere accountable, which is nice to see. Okay? And so you're, so, you're saying that from someone who's advising the, the, a figure in the establishment, but you're but able to I, appreciate the... Of course, yeah. and even the person I'm advising appreciates that. This is good because the people are now there as the, a, a, a power, they're a power, yeah. you know, that uh, the political uh, leaders need to calculate before they act. You know, they need to think about how is this going to have repercussions if we do this, if we do that, right? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. right now, as we speak, as we, as we record this uh, podcast, a government is being formed or they're right. attempting to form a government. And yeah. the street right now, you know, half the streets in Beirut are closed as we speak right. because there is some resentment on the way things are being done. So, yeah. so there's that group that's in denial of people on the street mm -hmm. or starting to see that they have power. Yeah. And then you have the people on the street who are also in denial in many ways with, denial with, the, with, with the fact that how this is going to evolve. Okay. Right? Yeah. And like, they're, they're, they're going to step aside and we're going to take over. Mm -hmm. So that is also, you know, kind of far-fetched. So as someone who's in the business of only building bridges, never burning bridges, yeah. in the business of trying to get points of views to meet halfway, I think there's room today for both sides to find a way. And it's not about co-opting. It's not about, you know, but to find solutions that are sustainable because in the next elections, and I know one of the demands of the protests are early elections. Mm. In the next elections, there will be some political parties. We're going to win. Okay, could you? They're not going to disappear. Can you take me there? What mm -hmm. that kind of mediation looks like to you? Because what you're describing, I think, yeah, but that, is... that I think requires a whole set of brainstorm, other you know, well, time and brainstorming and, and all and that. A, and okay, it, forget the. I'm not not a full manual yeah. here, but just a because you've eloquently elaborated on the need for conversation. Of course, okay. 100%. But, okay, so let's take me one step in mm -hmm. that direction. Is there a mechanism that you see? In it could be set in place. There are ways to set these mechanisms. There are people who is their bread and butter to set up these mechanisms. Okay, it's not hard to set this mechanism up. One step, one step further on that. Again, this is your subjective no, view. Now, right? I have to, uh, now you have to pay me to give you my, <laughs> my advice on how to do that. Uh, no, if, I'm if you're not able to cash I'm joking, check, I'm joking. How am I going to withdraw my <laughs> I'm money? I'm joking, I'm yeah. joking. I, I don't... No, but, I, but I, let I, me, let me, let me... Wait, wait, just one second, okay. one second, sorry. The, I, there's yeah. a part that I want to get you to your next level. Sure, oh, I'll go okay? ahead, go ahead. So, yeah. uh, part of how to get there yeah. is the people on the streets or the ones who are leading the genuine core of the mm -hmm. uprising. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about, you know, the the different uh, elements who are trying to come in. Sure, sure, sure. I'm talking about the real, yeah. genuine, day one, day two people went on the street. That are still committed. The mom, the dad, the stroller, which we're not seeing Absolutely. much anymore, unfortunately. You know, that has gone away from, from the footage that we see these days. And this is, again, a result of conversations I've had with friends and, and family members uh, who are, uh, you know, very active and, yeah. you know, on the street, and rightfully so in many ways. Um, it's just they're afraid to transition. And let me explain why. Or what You're talking that about means. the protester. Yeah, they're afraid okay. to transition. Mm. So I'm civil society, I'm a demonstrator. So I come and get into politics, right? 
keeping in mind that the political parties are not going to go away. Mm. They're still there. Get into politics. No, 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 no. Politics is a dirty game. I will not touch it. So you're saying I'm in a dirty game? No, no, I'm not saying that. But like, it's a dirty game. I don't, I'm not going to touch this. I'm civil society. Unless the civil society activists that like social media activism, civil society activism has its limits. Unless that person is willing to transition yeah. into the political realm, no change is going to come. Okay, then I wanna... They need to understand yeah. no. that they're no more civil society. They're now also politicians. Sure. Right? Now, I know that this is, a, in a way, this is a sensitive area because I think it's still in its infancy because we really don't know how this is all going to play out. Of course, out. of course, but which I'm, is why I've been very quiet about it. I right. haven't really shared my views, which I have, but I haven't, you sure. know, because because you don't know how this is going to play of course, out. But and I, I as someone play, who wants to build mm, bridges and not burn sure. bridges, I won't, I will never, you know, um, No, but as someone who's, I mean, in a way I'm lucky because I'm able to talk to you and I've also been able to talk to many a variety of people from Let's protesters. Let's just make it clear that I'm the lucky one to be talking to you. But now you go on. <laughs> now I have to pay you. You've, you're bringing up an issue that is not brought up, I think. It's not, it's not being discussed, which is a form of understanding. Now, I just want to... I'm going to go back to what I, what I wanted to get at, which is you're describing a mechanism that would work in, in many different... Uh, venues. You have two, uh, two sides that can't see eye to eye and you need to kind of bring them together in a certain way. I'm going to play devil's advocate here and ask you, do you think the protesters have a chance at entering politics the way you're describing had they just been protesters? And what I mean is there's no leadership, there's no, um, there's no visible uh, face or there's not one particular name or even a group of names for that matter it seems it's to be new power yeah and it's entering its fourth month mm -hmm. and it's not going away and mm -hmm. you said it this morning I mean it's happening do you think the fluidity is the reason the other side which is what you're describing the establishment is taking them seriously that they can't point to an individual mm -hmm. or a group that mm -hmm. they in a way, they're, they're caught off guard that this is not usual politics. Mm -hmm. And that will bring me to another point, which is I, I sense, and I assume this is correct, the conversation you were describing where you have a civil society activist challenging you, saying, I don't want to be part of politics, it's dirty. And you're in a way curious to know why they don't step up that if they step up, that they would find themselves automatically part of the problem. That they're unwilling to, to in, in their minds, I'm not defending this view, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, that they sense that they would end up like anyone who's entered politics mm -hmm. with that kind of right. uh, vision, mm -hmm. but gets, for a variety of reasons, ends up unable to affect change. I'm saying this as carefully as possible. No, you, you're actually describing my situation. Because, you know, I entered this, uh, you know, this, this field, mm. you know, I left the UN, I entered this field thinking I'm going to bring change to my country. Mm. I love my country. I'm not doing this because I like this politician or that politician. I'm doing this because I love my country and I have an opportunity to bring about change. Mm -hmm. But the inertia 
the baggage that comes with that is, is immense and it's very heavy. It's a heavy machine, right? Mm -hmm. And there's bureaucracy and you work really, really hard and for very incremental change. Yeah. And so what I, the message I want to give these people is the following. Politics is a game of patience and is a game of, in Arabic we say, nafas tawil. You need to have the, the cool-headedness, all right, of being in this business. And if you don't have that, you know, um, I'm afraid it's not gonna, you, you know, your, your dreams or your aspirations or the change you want to bring about is not gonna work. And I, I tell this to students when I speak to them or when I give the seminars, I tell them, look, to be in, and they ask me like, how, what advice do you give us to be in politics or to try to be in uh, like a similar role that you have, et cetera, et cetera. And I tell them, listen, you know, the rewards are very little, you know, very little. And you need to self-motivate yourself all the time. Because I can't go home, like I'm someone who owns a, a shop, open an Excel sheet every night and say, today I made $400. Or, oh, damn it, today I lost $50. My, what I'm doing today, the rewards of that may be reaped by my children. I might not even be alive to see the change that I worked hard for, but, right? And so it's a yeah. very frustrating but this feel. Is, so this is your personal patience, It's right? my personal. Yeah, and we're personal. the same, I think we're the same age. And we've, both of us are able to see how long it takes yes. to affect change here. Yeah. And that change may not always be for the better, right? But are you, are you, in a way, are you suggesting that these protesters should be ready for the long... Yes. Okay, then. Absolutely. Then, then I'm going to throw it back on you. Time-wise, it doesn't look like time is on anyone's side. And when I say this, I mean, we're talking now 30 years since the Civil War ended. We're talking 45 years since the Civil War began. Uh, we're talking a very long time, and we're asking a lot for people just to wait mm -hmm. and, and build and, and try and, and perhaps fail. Mm -hmm. Do you at least see an opening for another avenue, which is that I, I really appreciate what you said earlier, which is parties are going to stay. There's no way around that. I mean, for now, for the, right. for the medium term sure. at least, they will stay. I yeah. completely agree. But that said, the examples you gave are not countries involved in what looks like a revolution. They look like countries that are dealing with smaller scale issues to be, and I, I don't think France deals with small scale issues. I think they're big issues. But when you throw it out and you compare it to the Lebanese issue, I think Lebanon's issue is so much more impacting to Lebanon. Mm -hmm, of course. And much more, it's rooted very, very Sure, and the situation is far more unstable mm -hmm. here. Do you sense that, I mean, what I'm asking is, are you, are you trying to see beyond the term revolution and finding a way to reform instead? No, I'm saying that uh, people on the streets need to be passionate and not emotional. There's a big difference. Hmm. You know, you can be uh, emotional. Emotions don't lead you very far. But when you're passionate, it gets you far. Just going back to the issue, that state reform a la dialogue and compromise, at least from your, from your perspective, is a healthier way to move forward than 
calling on the, the regime not, to fall. They're not mutually exclusive. They're not mutually exclusive. There are so many cases in uh, negotiations whereby you have on television two parties or two leaders cursing each other, but behind the doors they're actually negotiating or they're actually having a dialogue or they're uh, their uh, advisors or their teams or they're somewhere they're mm. having a dialogue. Mm. So these are the few things that creative mechanisms that I'm saying that, that you know, the bottom line is what do we want for Lebanon? Sure. Now do we want stability though. and change? If that's the case, all I'm saying is that these people right now ain't going anywhere. They're not going anywhere right now. In a way, you're talking about both. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm yeah, telling yeah, them both. both. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. These two sides are yeah. not going anywhere. Right? So we can continue on this path, okay? Or we can find innovative, creative mechanisms to have a healthier dialogue forward. And that doesn't mean people need to leave the streets. If they want to stay on the streets, they can say they stay on the streets. I'm not saying that. Mm. I'm saying Mm. there are ways to make what's happening today more effective. What are those ways? And just one example. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not talking. I'm not saying predict the future. I'm saying if, because you are laying the foundation for what seems to be like, room for dialogue. What does it look like to you? I mean, what what would you want to see happen for that for that to take hold? I'm having trouble envisioning it. I would like to see um, more um, more effective dialogue, but before dialogue. Uh, bridges trying to be laid between the two sides to um, slowly try to reach solutions for key problems. And I'll tell you why or, or, or what, why, uh, how. Mm. Um, the reason why two sides refuse to speak to each other, first, they go through this phase where they're like ego, right? One side is like, no, 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 I'm going to win for sure. Like, who are these people? Go away. And then you have the other side, they're like, no, of course these, these, these corrupt politicians are going to go home because, you know, uh, I'm on the street and will they not listen to me? No, of course they will listen to me. So you have the ego that bursts from both sides. Mm-hmm. Then you enter the phase of insecurity. What if I speak to the other side and, you know, they're going to co-opt me or I'm going to look like I'm a traitor to the rest of my friends who are on the street or et cetera, et cetera. And there were some visible, there were some of and that, on the other, and they were dismissed. Okay, yeah. and from the other side, you yeah. have the, some politicians who tried to go and start demonstrating with the people, sure, and they were absolutely. kicked out. So you have it from both sides, That's right? True. Okay. <laughs> so I'm trying to unpack yeah. how things are looking. Right. Okay, and then you have the third layer of when people start saying, okay, this is, if we don't try to be proactive, and this is going to go on for too long, and we need to start finding solutions. And so that's when the confidence-building measures start to, you know, build. That, that both sides are hurting enough that, that they would want to talk to each other. That the country is hurting enough. That the country is hurting. Right? Yeah. That the country is hurting enough. And because the country is hurting. And I feel like... Do you sense that that's, that's a phase we're entering? Oh, for sure. We are in it. No, no, sorry, no, sorry, no, no, no. I didn't uh. mean the, the pain. I meant that they're, they're inclined now to reach out to each other more as a result? I'm not saying that will happen. Mm. I'm not sure if we are, I mean, I'm, I'm giving you the stages. I'm not sure if we've passed the ego stage. I see, so we could, we could still be <laughs> we there. We could still be there. I don't know, uh-huh. I don't okay. know. Okay. And, and just 
in parentheses, yeah. this is, I mean, I deal with international affairs, mm -hmm. right? I don't deal with local politics. When I look at all of this stuff, right, I'm looking at it from an um, extremely uh, subjective point of view. Sure. Uh, subjective as in karma. Yeah. Because I'm not in a place to discuss local politics, right? Absolutely. So, so yeah. all of this is me, you know, taking what I've learned from the international sphere, yeah. trying to apply it locally on how issues have been resolved or how... And it's a, it's a, it's a different take on mm -hmm. how to deal with the crisis. You're in a way asking for crisis management to a, to a point. But I want to now, from that, because it's a perfect way to get into what I really wanted to address, you've been in a unique position to hear so many different views from abroad, mm -hmm. whether they're abroad or of here, course. talking about Lebanon. And I think you're one of the few people that has sort of, I mean, a lot of voices in your head at any given moment of whether it's diplomats, academics, uh, policymakers, mm -hmm. think tank people, all of them with a curiosity or a vested interest in, in Lebanon. This time around, and I'm, see, I'm seeing it from my side, without mm -hmm. having those voices, without being able to be keenly aware of what diplomats are saying in the few conversations I've had, I get the sense, and you correct me if I'm wrong, that there is no interest from abroad in sort of being part of this. That, in other words, that there is an interest instead on letting Lebanese handle themselves. And I don't know if that's correct. That's an assumption I've made after having had, I've been lucky to have a few conversations, but that's a common theme that Lebanese should handle this problem on their own. I think Lebanese should start with the premise. But is that a correct assumption? That there's, do you sense that there's less I'm not in a position to confirm or deny mm. that, regardless of what's happening or what the intentions are from abroad, from this side or that side or whatever country. Mm. The Lebanese should take this into their own hands. So that would History has taught us enough that relying on foreign uh, mm. interventions mm. or players or etc. has not led us usually to very... And I'm not just talking about uh, regimes. I'm talking about this includes the IMF, the World Bank, that there's a hesitation at best to kind of dive into this. And, but you would, you would agree that the Lebanese should you, be I able... Mean, I mean, I, I'm not a financial expert or an economic, uh, mm. an economic expert, but my understanding is that the IMF doesn't dive anywhere unless the government of that country invites them to come in. They don't just decide, oh, this country needs help, let me go like fix this. It's a government that requests, that comes officially to the IMF seeking mm. their help to intervene into mm -hmm. their situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so in that sense, you know, um, that's an official example, mm. but an mm. unofficial example mm. over the years in Lebanon is different groups of people or parties requesting the help of countries or nations or groups or whatever to intervene in their sure. business. Yeah. So, so I'm saying that it usually, mm. you know, it's, not, it's a two-way street. It's not like we... Sometimes, and, and as someone who deals with foreign affairs and, and international relations and all that, you know, everyone's like, yeah, this country's interfering. Well, I mean, it's a supply-demand thing, really, you know? So... <laughs> which, which scale are we on now? No, I mean, on? I'm not in a position <laughs> to say anything about it. <laughs> Seems but, like the supply but is I'm down. Saying, but I'm saying <laughs> that all I hope is that the Lebanese do take things into their own hands. All the Lebanese yeah. take thing into the matters into their own you see that as a, also as a healthy a of, way forward to, I do, to look in I and, do yeah. I do I also think that a lot of um, 
the world today, whether, I mean, different nations and countries, are very busy with their own uh, issues and with their own stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're not the center of the universe. And yeah. we need to, you know, internalize that in our day-to-day -day thinking. We're not the center of the universe. You know, I thought it was quite telling, and this is on a media side, that at the beginning, the first few days, there was a lot of coverage on what was happening here. There was a lot of international attention when it came to just press. Mm -hmm. uh, that faded over time, but we stayed focused, and we're still covering it, and we're still looking at it. That, in a way, yeah, Lebanon is not that important to an audience abroad. But fortunately, this time around, it is more important to Lebanese abroad and at home. You make the news until the next news cycle starts. Like, it's not, again, you know. Yeah. And I think part of that also is that it's been f relatively nonviolent. Relatively. Mm -hmm. But, but that said, the last few days have been quite chaotic in, in certain neighborhoods at certain times. And there seems to be... A more of an appetite to target whether it's the banks at times or just both venting and vandalism mm -hmm. at once. Mm -hmm. I, I get I'm uneasy when I see those images. And I think I'm uneasy because to me that is always symbolic of the bad days of our history. Even though they may not be leaning in that direction. But I do have second thoughts on protesters breaking and, and breaking down uh, mm -hmm. things and conf confronting that way. And at, at the same time, I also appreciate the need for protesters to vent their anger. So that kind of mix. Are you at all worried as somebody who's lived through years of the Civil War, has known Lebanon in both relative prosperity and also decline, that this moment could degenerate into something more violent. I mean, I always have that fear because also I'm someone who lived the civil war. I mm. mean, I've seen the civil war firsthand. Mm. Again, I don't, I don't want to say this to intimidate protesters and, and, you know, scare them and like tell them war stories so that they stop protesting. It's not the intention, but there's a reality that there is a demographic in amongst the protesters which are very, they, they're young. Uh, majority of the of the demonstrators sure. are young, and yeah. some of them have not seen the civil war, yeah. and so uh, they have a different view of violence than someone like me, who lived, you know, through bomb shelters, uh, sure. you know, uh, leaving the house not knowing whether we're going to come back or not, our house being bombed. Like I've yeah. lived through that, so um, maybe that's why I. I developed this passion and uh, this yearning to learn more about peace building and, and mediation and bringing points of views together because I don't want to see that happening again. Not right. in my country, not in the region, right. not anywhere, yeah. right? So I will work every day towards that end is to avoid uh, you know, a conflict in my country. In no matter what capacity I can, even if it's a little, you know, percentage, yeah. uh, that will be my my goal. So you share that kind of hesitation too when you see this kind of low-level violence of on course, the streets. Of yeah. course, of course, I see that you know uh, when people are enraged, when people are angry, this is bound to happen. Yeah. You know, like I'm not gonna sit in, uh, over a ladies' lunch and say, "Oh my God, these people are breaking the banks. This is so bad." No, I mean they're enraged. They're yeah. They're in a, they're in they're desperate, a desperate yeah. right? And they want attention and they want people to listen to them. Right. I have trouble seeing two things. We're again, same age, same generation, 
similar backgrounds. We've both lived in a country that we're confused about at times. Uh, we both know the economic struggle of the average person. We also have a window into what it's like to govern or try to govern this country. We've lived through violence, we've lived through stability, we've lived through revolutions before or attempted revolutions. We lived through occupation and attempts at sovereignty. We've seen a lot of things happen in this country. October 17, to me, last year, symbolized the end of an era. And I'm increasingly, uh, I, I believe this, that the old model is on its way out. At the same time, I have difficulty imagining this country turning into a secular pacifist state. I also have difficulty imagining it retaining this old sectarian power-sharing model that we've inherited a long time ago. Both are difficult to imagine. Do you feel the same way? And are you able to imagine something, a new social contract or something else being born out of this moment? Well, I'm not, I'm not someone who uses definite words like mm. the end of an era or the beginning of mm. an era. Like these conclusive words for me are, uh, I've learned with time that, you know, they don't serve much because mm -hmm. there's always, especially in politics and in social change, there are a lot of gray areas. And so you, it's very difficult to say this ended and this started. And I think you would agree because right after that you said, how are we gonna, you know, I still, I'm confused about. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, so there, you can't really say with authority that this is the sure. end and this is the beginning. But it but feels like the closing of a chapter. It may not be, but it feels like something is, is winding Look, down. Look, I mean, I, I'm, uh, I'm married to someone who's from a different sect. We raise our children to be Lebanese. We don't raise them to be this or that. Because at the end of the day, you know, we're working to build a Lebanon for my children because if my parents chose to stay here and raise me under the bombs, yeah. then I have no right to take my kids out because I have yeah. to, you know, uh, build a better place uh, for them or contribute or try to find ways, or etc. Yeah. And each one of us has that power. Mm -hmm. It's not because you work in this office that you have power. That other, everyone has that power to bring about change in their own way, in their own businesses, in their own sectors, etc. Yeah. So. I am, I am like you. I am hopeful mm. that this is a, a start of some kind of change to the better in Lebanon because I want to stay here, because I want my children to grow up here, because I want my children to work here and are, find jobs. Are these words loaded to you, secular, sectarian? Do you see one as more positive or more negative? And I ask you this because you're we are the generation that is seeing the country change dramatically. We, we are witnessing change. That's, that is, whether or not it, something dies or something is born, that's something else, but there's immense change. Do you sense that sectarian is a bad word and secular is a good word? Because I hear on the streets something new, which is genuine chance for a secular state. And that is something new. It was always in the background before, now it's in the foreground. And I do sense that sectarianism, the way I understood it in the past, to be a more, maybe a, a, a complicated word, has taken on a very negative tone. And I, I don't know if that's, a, if that's an opening for a new model 
And I don't, when you say something better, are you implying one of the uh, one or the other, more sectarian, more secular? Or? I mean, my personal view is, of course, if I were had to have a choice, of mm. course, I would choose Lebanon as a as a secular. Uh, so you'd be on state. board for that kind of dr- what of would be a momentous a, civil, a civil state. Yeah. You know, would be the, mm. the more accurate political term at the moment mm-hmm. is to mm-hmm. create a dawla madaniya, which mm-hmm. is a civil state, right? A state where the laws that govern you are not governed by by a religious court, mm-hmm. but by mm-hmm. a, a civil court, right? So Could one argue at the core of this that there is that battle is being fought for, that the sectarian system is trying to hold on, and the secular street is trying something else? I can't talk about the subject without mm. looking at it from a regional perspective mm. and to talk more about the insecurities of people mm. because you have political parties and even if you scratch the surface of people who are protesting right now mm. if you scratch the surface a little bit mm. and have a deeper conversation about this exact particular topic mm. Mm. you would see that at one point one will say, if these people don't protect us, Daesh is going to come and cut our, slit our throats. Or if these people don't protect us, then our churches will be, will be broken. And no, we will never accept that. So as much as it sounds beautiful, I don't have enough understanding of the demographics and the, 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 the people on the street mm-hmm. to say with confidence that everyone, the mainstream Lebanese population wants secularism. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have that kind of data. I think this is an amazing sociology project for someone who's doing their PhD or their thesis because really every home has still someone and, and this idea that the, the parents are sectarian and the kids right. are sectarian. I don't yeah. buy that. Yeah. My parents are sure. definitely not sectarian, right? Uh, I'll give you an example. Like others, you know, you have eight-year-olds who come from some parts in the country Across the board, I'm not pointing sure, sure, to sure. one confession or the yeah. other. Extremely religious, right? Religious. Extreme, I mean, yeah, but yeah. extremely like you have to hold on to your Christian leader, otherwise we're going to burn and people are going to come okay. and kick us out. That old, sense. Yeah, but I'm I mean, not talking about religion. I pray yeah. at home. Like nobody, it's not no one's sure. business if sure, I'm sure, praying sure. at home or yeah. not. All I'm saying is that I'm not in search of that political. Uh, you know, religious cover because someone's going to come and... You know. I, I think I'm talking more power sharing among communities as opposed to power sharing among ideas. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think it is too soon to tell how this will play out. I think we are witnessing a dramatic shift. And maybe the next time we talk to each other, we'll be able to reflect on what's been happening. Thanks, Karma. Thank you. Thank you.